So welcome to the first uh, virtual journal club. I'm super excited to do this with you guys. Um, journal club is kind of my favorite activity and uh, I hope uh, you are interested in the topic. If you looked at the topic boosters, uh, the whole field uh, or this particular study, then um, you might uh, have said to yourself, well, this is actually a pretty complicated issue. And the paper in particular is not easy to read. So unless you're a subject matter uh, expert, um, it might some take time to really dig yourself in. So based on, uh, on these thoughts, uh, here's our outline for today. Uh, we'll actually talk about the study goals first and then go into some length about the different combinations of primary vaccine series and boosters. Uh, and then we'll be relatively brief about the methods and then I'll shed some light on the results and critically appraise them. And then I will take a brief glance also on what's been published since. Uh, and afterwards we'll have lots of time for questions and comments from you guys for hopefully very stimulating discussion. So what was known before the study? There, also in the UK, there was another randomized controlled trial, the Kromkov study, where they tested uh, the second dose in the primary series as a hetero, uh, heterologous one. So if you got uh, Pfizer-BioNTech, you got uh, AstraZeneca-Oxford or vice versa. And then there were also like three published uh, full-length uh, peer-reviewed uh, papers and two preprints on the topic. And so what was known was that uh, neutralizing certain anti antibodies is significantly increased after hemolytic uh, uh, after booster. Uh, but this was only known, no, uh, this was only true for the Delta variant uh, after an mRNA vaccine after an mRNA booster. And then a preprint also confirmed that uh, good uh, neutralizing antibody response um, after a heterologous booster was seen. The T-cell response was good after AstraZeneca-Oxford, but there were no data on any other, ones, uh, any other ones. And then in terms of adverse events, they were similar to the initial series, except they were higher for uh, Covidetia and uh, coronavirus. So here's some nuts and bolts on the COVID boost trial, which uh, appeared in the Lancet uh, in uh, late uh, December, um, was published in an issue then uh, and was online uh, early in early December. It was a randomized controlled trial, multi-center from the UK. It had uh, 18 sites, they were all in the UK. Uh, it was planned in early 2021 and then uh, pre-registered in late April and the UK's equivalent to clinical trial set of ISRCTN. The entire trial, which uh, with a planned enrollment of almost 2,900 uh, participants, uh, happened in the month of June, 2021. The whole trial happened in June, in, in just one month. To be enrolled, you had to have your initial series, so the to uh, uh, um, AstraZeneca Oxford or the BioNTech Pfizer uh, series at least 70 days uh, prior to the dose, uh, prior to the booster. Uh, and then there were several active and uh, several control groups and more on that in a little bit. Uh, it was uh, double-blinded, so clinicians and researchers uh, as well as patients were not aware of the study arm assignment. 
uh, and uh, let's talk next about the study goals. So this was a phase two study, which typically studies uh, biological activity or a preliminary efficacy, which is then of course later tested in the phase in a phase three trial, uh, and also safety. And so here they looked at uh, immunogenicity. Uh, defined as the uh, anti-spike uh, IgG titer at 28 days. Uh, and uh, they uh, also looked at neutralizing antibodies in its the wild type at uh, uh, pseudoviral neutralization assays and the T cell response. And for the uh, anti-spike IgG, uh, they not just looked at absolute titers, but also looked at ratios compared to pre-booster levels. And then in terms of uh, red to genicity safety, uh, they looked at uh, adverse events, unsolicited, solicited, uh, serious, and then also uh, a moderate, moderate series. So which uh, combinations of boosters and uh, primary series were studied? The boosters studied here, and um, you'll have to bear with me and the study authors in terms of the abbreviations. So the first booster was the AstraZeneca Oxford uh, um, uh, vaccine, uh, the uh, chimpanzee adenovector, um, adenovirus vector vaccine, uh, abbreviated CHA, then secondly, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, uh, the uh, Moderna NIH vaccine, but notably uh, this was the 100 uh, microgram uh, dose. Um, currently we use uh, 50 microgram doses for boosters. Uh, then the, the other adenovector, uh, adenovected uh, virus vaccine by Janssen or Johnson & Johnson. Uh, then the uh, the uh, vaccine that is not uh, where the manufacturer is not pursuing um, approval anymore at CureVac, uh, Novavax, a, a new um, protein based um, a new protein based uh, vaccine, and then uh, Velnevna, uh, which is uh, a uh, an inactivated virus. Um, they only studied participants who had received uh, uh, Oxford AstraZeneca mm -hmm. or a BioNTech after uh, as the primary dose. And so uh, in some uh, other Western countries, uh, of course, uh, Moderna uh, became more and more available over time. And in the US in particular, this was available from the very beginning in, in uh, higher quantities. Um, at 26 use uh, was also uh, initially offered uh, as the primarily as one of the primarily recommended vaccines in the US, but of course its uh, dose uh, his use has declined since and is not recommended in the CDC anymore. And then as I already mentioned, the uh, booster dose for Moderna uh, has since been reduced to uh, 50 micrograms. Um, AstraZeneca Oxford uh, has uh, not been approved in the US and approval is not being uh, pursued right now. Uh, and then, uh, uh, as I mentioned, CureVac uh, is uh, not being pursued for regulatory approval anymore. Uh, Novavax has uh, only recently been approved. Uh, Valneva is, is still in the process. Uh, and then Sputnik V uh, and the uh, Chinese vaccines uh, were also uh, not studied. 
so this makes for a lot of combinations. So if you take the, the boosters here on, on the left with their abbreviations, uh, they uh, studied full and half doses for BioNTech, uh, for Novavax and Valneva, but not for uh, Moderna. Um, uh, J&J, uh, Oxford, AstraZeneca, and Jovac. Uh, and they also had uh, active controls, which was uh, Nasseria meningitis uh, vaccine. Uh, and then uh, they um, tested all these boosters in participants who either had received the uh, Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine or the uh, Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine uh, as a homologous uh, series. So two vaccine each. Uh, so this makes for a, a lot of uh, groups. This is uh, 26 uh, groups that they compared here. And uh, this is how this looks in, in, in the paper. Um, so you have a lot of uh, boxes and uh, they actually assigned uh, the patients to uh, these different groups here, A, B, uh, C, and D, uh, and they had control arms in each. Uh, and uh, I'll go into, into the methods a little bit more uh, in a little bit. I already mentioned it was a double blind, uh, multi-center RCT randomization with uh, permutated uh, random blocks, uh, controls uh, received uh, uh, meningococcal vaccine. Um, participants had to be uh, 30 years uh, or older uh, with uh, either no mild uh, or only moderate well-controlled comorbidities. And a lot of them were actually healthcare workers. Clinicians, participants, and statisticians were all blinded. Uh, and then um, uh, the vaccines were prepared out of sight uh, and they uh, put mastering tape on the entire syringe to conceal the dose, uh, the volume, and the appearance of the vaccine. And then they drew blood, uh, the primary uh, endpoint or the co-primary endpoint was uh, for immunogenicity at 28 days, but they also did uh, initial blood draws at days uh, 84, 365, and then for subgroups at day seven uh, and 14. Uh, and then they did uh, an ELISA for their um, IgG antibodies. They did uh, a pseudotype virus neutralization assay, and they did uh, T cell assays. Uh, and then in terms of statistics, uh, I'm not gonna go much into this, but they calculated for a 90% power to compare geometric mean concentration of the entire spike IgG, uh, and they use a Bonferroni correction. Uh, so in terms of the results, uh, here's some uh, baseline characteristics. As you see, uh, patients were like uh, middle-aged to older, um, and uh, they differentiate in the results and the other results between under 70 and 70 and older, about half were male and female, uh, and then quite a lot of healthcare workers, uh, about a third or more, depending on each group. Uh, most patients were uh, white, uh, and uh, quite a lot of them had uh, cardiovascular comorbidities, although this included hypertension, uh, some respiratory disease, and a small number of patients with uh, diabetes. So uh, I'm going to skip to the antibody and T-cell concentrations. Um, so this is uh, the, um, uh, the first uh, result figure that they have for the cellular response, for the T-cell response. You see here on the left all the different uh, boosters and different groups. 
and then you see uh, the absolute uh, uh, T cell um, uh, concentrations, uh, and you see uh, geometric mean ratios uh, in relation to uh, the control, and you have uh, every everything stratified for under 70 and for 70 and older. And as you can see uh, for the T cells, um, there is uh, compared at least to antibodies, um, not uh, a lot of difference uh, between uh, the vaccines. Uh, maybe you have a slightly higher response for uh, Novavax uh, full dose, um, for uh, BioNTech full dose, uh, for um, A26, uh, Janssen Janssen, uh, BioNTech half dose, and Moderna. Uh, but at least uh, compared to the antibodies, everything is uh, pretty close together. This is uh, all for the uh, Oxford AstraZeneca uh, primed participants. So they had they all had Austria, AstraZeneca, um, Oxford um, for their primary series. Uh, compare this to the uh, BioNTech Pfizer group. Um, if you just compare these two, you see that they were similar uh, to each other. Um, uh, again, you, you have slightly higher responses for some, uh, but keep in mind that these are uh, relative responses to the control. And I'm going to go into the difference between that and the absolute levels uh, for the antibodies in a bit. So here's the results for the antibodies for the ELISA for the um, <clears throat> binding antibody IgG. Uh, and you can see a little bit uh, bigger differences <clears throat> here, at least in terms of the uh, geometric mean ratio. So uh, you can see that uh, um, the Moderna vaccine and the BioNTech vaccine here had uh, slightly higher responses. Uh, here you see the uh, geometric means, and uh, this is for the uh, Oxford AstraZeneca uh, prime participants. And then for the BioNTech, you see uh, lower um, um, geometric uh, mean ratios uh, for some uh, groups. Uh, and um, I, I just tried to compare that a little bit in terms of their uh, absolute uh, titers. Uh, so uh, the, um, the absolute uh, uh, levels, um, absolute IgG levels are also diff differed for the uh, different um, uh, boosters. So this is the uh, Oxford uh, AstraZeneca primed uh, group under 70. Uh, and you can see if, if you had AstraZeneca um, Oxford primary, and then you got another booster, uh, you were boosted from around 800 uh, to something like 3000 here. Whereas if you got uh, Moderna, BioNTech, you had uh, much higher uh, antibody uh, concentrations. So this is just uh, one of the four groups, the Oxford AstraZeneca primed uh, one under 70. Uh, and then uh, just looking at the means without 95% uh, confidence intervals, uh, here, can, here you can compare all the different uh, antibody levels. So first of all, in terms of the difference between over and uh, under 70, you see that for some groups, for example, for BioNTech here, you have higher absolute uh, antibody titers uh, over 70. Whereas for other boosters, uh, for example, here the Moderna booster, you have a higher um, a titer uh, if you're under 70. Um, overall, you can see that the, the lowest uh, antibody response after the booster, which is for the two um, 
uh, it innovated uh, viruses, uh, Oxford, AstraZeneca, and Johnson, Johnson and Johnson. If you had Oxford, AstraZeneca at your primary series, if you had a BioNTech as your primary series, you had a much more robust response. And then secondly, you also had uh, only somewhat mediocre responses for QWAC and for the NEVA. So let's move on to uh, adverse events. Uh, they use these uh, radial graphs here uh, to look at uh, adverse events. Uh, these are severe and solicited uh, adverse events, so uh, pretty selective. Uh, and just to walk you through this graph, so you have uh, all sorts of different side effects here in each wheel, and um, they're, they're the same for, for all of these. Uh, and then you have uh, the different uh, colors here uh, for the boosters, so uh, green here, for example, for uh, Oxford AstraZeneca. Uh, and then the left graph is, uh, is always the, the uh, Oxford AstraZeneca primed participants versus the BioNTech uh, ones uh, in the uh, one on the right. And uh, A, B, and C here just refer to the different groups. So on this graph, you actually don't see um, a, a response um, that is particularly high, but keep in mind that these are only severe uh, and solicited events. So the only real um, uh, booster response uh, in terms of radiogenicity you can see here is Moderna with a lot of fatigue between 15, 5 and 15%. Uh, after uh, a primary uh, Oxford AstraZeneca dose, uh, and then the Johnson & Johnson dose here also between five and 15% for chills and fatigues. Um, uh, however, this uh, is, uh, uh, adverse events were more frequent uh, under the age of uh, 70. And uh, so going a little bit deeper into uh, adverse events. These are uh, all moderate and severe uh, solicited adverse events. Uh, and you can see here on the left, uh, the Oxford AstraZeneca uh, under 70 group uh, and the BioNTech uh, primed uh, under 70 group and here on the right, uh, the 70 or older. Uh, and here you'll start to see uh, some uh, more frequent adverse events. Uh, so uh, you have uh, some uh, response here to uh, Novavac, uh, still under 25%. Then you have uh, like a lot of response here in terms of various adverse events for uh, Oxford uh, AstraZeneca uh, under 70, uh, but not uh, if you're over, over 70 for, for, for both of these. For um, uh, Johnson & Johnson, you have some uh, um, adverse events that are close to across the 25% border. Um, uh, if you're both, if you're um, Oxford uh, AstraZeneca primed, but in particular, if you had a, um, uh, a primary series of a BioNTech, so uh, somewhat similar to what we've seen in the previous slide with the Oxford AstraZeneca uh, group. And again, we only see this uh, under 70. And here on this side, you see uh, quite a lot of uh, side effects um, both uh, under 70 and also to some degree uh, over 70 for uh, CureVac and uh, Moderna uh, in, in, in various dimensions and the highest here um, in line with other previous uh, reported studies is uh, pain uh, and fatigue. Uh, and again, this is a little bit more 
um, if you were either under 70 for both primary series or if you were uh, 70 or older and you had the uh, Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine as the primary series. So the authors uh, summarize or conclude uh, the results, uh, conclude as follows. Uh, all vaccines except uh, Valneva after BioNTech boosted uh, antibodies and, and, and neutralized in their assays. Uh, and then there were substantial differences in the humoral and cellular responses. Uh, and then th that along with vaccine availability uh, will uh, influence uh, policy, policy choices. Uh, what I would add is that uh, antibody levels were boosted uh, a little bit more by uh, uh, mRNA vaccines than adenovirus uh, vetted ones, uh, with uh, Novavax somewhere in the middle. Uh, and then uh, retogenicity uh, was higher for the Moderna and the CureVac, uh, but not the BioNTech vaccines for any primary series. And then for the adeno-vectored uh, boosters, uh, Oxford and Johnson Johnson, uh, if you had been um, BioNTech primed. In terms of uh, critical, uh, critical appraisal, this was overall a very well-conducted uh, double-blind RCTs the methods description is uh, brief but uh, adequate. Uh, the only concern um, is that how far out of sight and by whom the vaccine doses were prepared before consuming, that might simply not have been uh, mentioned in uh, sufficient detail in the manuscript. Um, and then uh, since this was uh, an, an, RC, an RCT, uh, it, uh, include, it included uh, less uh, sicker patients, uh, only patients with mild to moderate well-controlled comorbidities were allowed to participate. And there were a lot of healthcare workers, which might also be uh, somewhat healthier. Uh, um, they only studied uh, patients who had received BioNTech Pfizer or uh, AstraZeneca Oxford uh, for their primary series. But of course, uh, there were other uh, available primary series uh, in other parts of the world that uh, were not uh, trialed here. Uh, importantly for Moderna, the dose have been half, uh, has been halved um, for the booster in terms of its, uh, its uh, reatogenicity. Uh, and then antibody and T cell responses uh, importantly, have not been uh, validated yet to any hard endpoints. So, to uh, infection or symptomatic infections, severe disease, hospital admission, intubation, mechanical ventilation, and death. We simply don't know if a boosting by a certain factor 2x, 10x confers uh, more immunity uh, in terms of these endpoints, uh, or if you just need to reach. Uh, uh, a certain anti uh, uh, a certain antibody titer. Since publication of this study, what has happened since? Um, there was uh, just a couple of days ago in the New England Journal journal a very uh, interesting uh, paper on homo uh, on uh, homologous and uh, heterologous uh, COVID nineteen boosters. Uh, this is the D uh, MID twenty one twelve study out of uh, Baylor, Texas. Uh, they did test all uh, combinations of the three available vaccines in the U.S. So uh, three by three equals nine. Um, the Moderna dose here was also 100 uh, micrograms, not 50. And as you can see here, the adverse events uh, were uh, 
uh, color-coded or in, in grayscale, mild, moderate, uh, and severe, um, relatively similar, except maybe uh, slightly more severe events uh, after you had uh, the uh, J&J booster here in the middle, uh, if you had primarily received uh, an, an mRNA-based uh, vaccine, particularly the Moderna one, uh, and then maybe some more headache in and myalgia um, if you um, had uh, the Moderna booster here on the left, uh, if you had uh, um, Moderna as your primary series compared to uh, BioNTech uh, as your primary series. In terms of the uh, antibody response, the binding and circulating antibodies, uh, they were quite a bit lower at baseline for the J&J vaccine, uh, but also for the J&J boosted ones. Uh, there were also um, very few of the Pfizer patients and none of the Moderna patients who had no initializing antibodies at baseline. So uh, when they got, when they received the dose, uh, was there a difference between the Moderna and uh, Pfizer boosters? Uh, I think that's very hard to tell. And uh, keep in mind that we also use a lower dose of the Moderna uh, dose now. They also reported a TSA response, um, uh, and uh, I'm not showing them here, but they were in line with the antibody response. The mRNA vaccine generally boosted a little bit better, and in particular, there was a better response uh, if you had J&J uh, as your primary series. Uh, there was a, a trial of various boosters uh, out of uh, Brazil if you had uh, the coronavirus vaccine, uh, and as you can see on the right, you had a very similar, these are like four bars for the four different boosters, um, very similar um, adverse event uh, profile. Uh, and then you had uh, 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 slightly uh, lower, uh, in the top row here, the baseline, you had slightly uh, lower uh, antibodies with uh, a coronavirus as your booster compared to uh, at 26 Johnson Johnson, uh, BioNTech, and uh, AstraZeneca. There, uh, then, of course, we're beginning to see some real-world data. So uh, this, for example, is a research letter reporting on a study done at the VA, the Veterans Association, um, and they found uh, that severe disease overall was rare and uh, that uh, heterologous boosters, in particular for J&J recipients, uh, protected more for any infection, as you can see here by the um, uh, by the um, uh, uh, by the adjusted rate ratios, uh, and in particular for um, a severe uh, a, a disease, moderate uh, and severe disease, um, uh, compared to if you got a Johnson Johnson booster. Uh, this is a new real-world study uh, from uh, the UK, uh, and here you can see uh, different uh, uh, times since uh, you received either your dose two of your primary series or the BioNTech uh, or the Pfizer uh, booster. Um, this is the vaccine uh, effectiveness in terms of uh, any kind of symptomatic disease uh, for uh, two different uh, age brackets. Uh, and you can see that after the booster, you uh, have a significantly higher uh, vaccine effectiveness for both the BioNTech and the mRNA booster. If you only look at, um, at hospitalization for these age brackets, 
you can see uh, you can see that you still have uh, vaccine effectiveness over 80 percent if you're 175 days out uh, after your second dose of your primary series uh, and then you get uh, a little bit higher response uh, to the boosted and this is uh, the same uh, only for death so i'm going to stop here uh, and i hope that we'll have uh, some questions that you might have you could either put them in the chat or, or you could uh, unmute yourself. Ben, um, a question for you. Uh, first, thanks for a great pr pr uh, presentation. That was really, really helpful. Um, earlier on in your presentation, you talked about the, the data behind antibody levels um, and, um, and immunogenicity um, with respect to its clinical correlate of death and hospitalization, things like that, and, and the link there being a little fuzzy. What, you know, it, lo it looks like from the later data that you presented that they are correlating. What's your take? Uh, I think uh, that is the million dollar question. I think uh, we uh, primarily saw- I'll expect to check in the mail then. <laughs> Absolutely, Jeff. Uh, so, um, you know, we saw these uh, phase two studies uh, and now we're starting to see some real world data. Of course, the RCT studies have uh, a population that's uh, better selected, but uh, they have a better follow-up, et cetera. Uh, so what I would be curious to see is uh, either more uh, real world data with the uh, Moderna 50 microgram dose uh, or um, a, a, you know, as you say, correlation between uh, association between uh, antibody or T cell response and these, uh, you know, harder clinical outcomes. Uh, I suspect that there will be one, but that again is pure speculation. Uh, I, I think something interesting is also that they looked at um, uh, looked at circulating antibodies and. Uh, you know, you could also make it differentiate to, to the neutralizing the IgE antibodies on the mucous membranes. Uh, and uh, maybe if you get symptomatic disease, uh, you have uh, not enough of those neutralizing antibodies, but you still have enough uh, IgG and T cells uh, to protect you from severe disease and death. Maybe that's something where a booster it can help more than um, just the primary series, even if you're further out from the booster. Um, so Shirley asked a question in the in the chat. Uh, what uh, should we think about a second booster? Um, I think uh, that's an excellent question. I think a second booster um, is something what we uh, where we don't really have a lot of data from. But a perfect segue. Um, I was thinking that we should do a journal club uh, on this. Uh, there is some interesting data out of Israel. Uh, there's some other emergent data, and I think it's very unclear if a second booster is necessary uh, for to, to prevent severe disease and death. Um, you know, you had other vaccines where you needed three uh, vaccines. Uh, you know, we, we thought that the primary series uh, for them, uh, hepatitis uh, being one example, uh, but uh, maybe uh, boosters, um, you know, would protect you more from uh, new variants, uh, including uh, those who um, might escape the immune system, and they might also protect more in general from uh, symptomatic disease, although you're still uh, protected from, um, from severe disease or death. Um, I'm curious, in any of these studies, do they account for patients um, who had developed clinical COVID at uh, in, in throughout all of this process in terms of testing their uh, immune responses? 
Um, sorry, your question was if uh, any of the participants had uh, COVID? Well, uh, one would imagine that if you were enrolled in one of these trials um, uh, and got your first shot of whatever you got and then they, you, they measured your levels and they, they got your second shot and measured your levels as a response or your second and then your third in the case of, of the two-shot series, if you also at some point in there had developed COVID, one would imagine that you sort of auto-boosted again to some yeah. degree at least. And I'm wondering how the trials accounted for that. Um, so uh, the COVID boost trial, the, the, the study that we just discussed in more detail, uh, they did not look at that. Uh, of course, this is a confounding factor, but uh, of course, uh, you know, the it's the, uh, the the power of uh, the RCT the, that you have uh, randomization and you have that effect equally in 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 all groups, uh, but uh, to be determined. Uh, more or less theoretical question about boostering in the combination of being once or twice vaccinated and then infected and cured or gone by the, uh, the infection. We had the discussion recently in, in, in Germany, um, the status as being cured expires after 90 days at the moment by law, not by medical logic. Do you have any data about the immune response or the uh, immunosystem fitness um, for people who perhaps take the, the most obvious case who have been infected three times, never vaccinated? Is that comparable to being boosted? Do you know anything about data on that? Or does anybody about of you know anything about data on that? So, Thank you. Uh, I can I can give a quick response, but I actually don't have enough uh, data or I don't have any data. So others uh, feel free to chime in. Um, I think that the immune response after uh, an active infection is extremely variable. Uh, so one, it might very much differ with age uh, in higher age brackets uh, with uh, a much shorter um, uh, immunity. And then of course you have variants uh, and uh, with new variants, uh, whether they escape the immune system or not, uh, you might also have a less conferred immunity from a, a prior infection. Uh, if I have relatives who visit from other countries, Thailand, Turkey, who are primarily vaccinated with AstraZeneca coming to the US, wondering if they should boost with Pfizer, Moderna, we should go ahead and, and say yes, based on the data so far. Uh, what recommendations for the future boosting uh, when they return home. So uh, I think this is uh, exactly what the trial looked at. Uh, you definitely had a more uh, robust uh, response uh, after uh, you were boosted with an mRNA vaccine. Again, with the caveat that they used a higher Moderna dose in the trial if you had a primary series of uh, AstraZeneca uh, Oxford. Uh, in terms of the uh, second part of the question, a future boosting, um, I think that's still uh, up in the air, um, you know, if we need a second uh, booster, a fourth dose. Um, I had uh, a plan to, to invite uh, several ID and vaccine experts for this session. And for the next session, we will uh, have somebody who is in the Egypt committee. Uh, and um, uh, we were thinking of doing uh, that session as an audio-only session. Uh, on uh, Twitter spaces. Uh, if you're not a Twitter person, uh, we'd like to invite you anyways um, and uh, just try it out. Maybe it's just easier to, to listen on your phone with the earpods in 
rather than to have to join a, a, Zoom, a Zoom session. So please uh, join any, anyways, and we'll send you details via, uh, via email. But um, again, very much up in the air and new data on, on the fourth dose, on the second booster out, uh, coming out uh, every week. We'll end here promptly. Uh, thank you all for attending. It was a real pleasure and I hope to see you in the second one and uh, watch out for an email. I'm going to ask you which format you like better. Uh, great to see you all and have a, a great rest of the day or evening. Mm -hmm.